Welcome to season three of Save Podcast, a podcast where we capture conversations over coffee. I am Corey Tarter. And I'm Amia. I don't. Moeller. I said Mo- my last oh, name. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm Amia Muller. Yeah, there you go. Oh, and who are you? Oh, and I'm Jordan Muller. That's Whoa. crazy. Whoa. Are you related? I am. That I didn't really mean it when I said no. Did we, you say no? I did. Oh, I didn't even hear you say that. <laughs> I literally didn't even hear you say How that. How are we related, Jordan? Who is telling the truth? So we are related because I am married to Amia's oldest brother, Theo, mm-hmm. which how that came about is a whole different story mm-hmm. for a different podcast. But um, I'm married to Amia's older brother, Theo, mm-hmm. who, by the way, is a little salty that he hasn't been asked on the podcast. So just saying. Well, well, there's good reasons. Sucks for to suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, if you guys listened to my episode, then you probably would have heard me mention Jordan. So I'm excited that we get to dive into your story today because I like you a lot and you have a cool story, and I think the people should hear it. Yeah, mm. I'm excited. Yeah. Also, background on our relationship, which is far better than you and Amia's. Um, okay, I knew this was going to come up. So yeah, I mean we've we've known each other for quite a while. Mm-hmm. 2011. Thank you. Um, but our relationship now consists of what? If you could describe people like when I see you, what do I usually do? Uh, you say hey Jay. Yeah. Or you just say Jay. And then what do I do specifically that most of your friends don't do that I do? Love you and care about you. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Love me and care about me. Let me make rap songs in their basement. Know about your, uh, your fashion. Oh, that's mm-hmm. true. Corey is like my number one fashion stand. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. That miss, actually makes a lot of I sense. I miss you in our home church. Mm-hmm. I'd be wearing some outfits sometimes and I, I need you to hype me up. Yeah, Corey is my fashion approver. I'll wear outfits and he'll tell me what celebrities I look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very honest though. And actually in uh, memory, memory, not memory of that. I'm wearing a shirt since people can't actually see it. Corey made stickers of Joe Perlman when he was like 14. Probably like 17 in that picture. 17? Yeah, (laughs) actually. (laughs) He looks like he's 14. And I got it screen printed on a t-shirt. So I'm Mm. wearing a shirt of Joe when he was like probably 18 years old, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And this is good luck for you because Joe and Fred's episode is the most listened to episode of all of them. So this means (laughs) Corey's telling me I'm wrong. Let's just, I just don't want to um, I redact my statement. Yeah. Also, it is the second though. It is the first Amia's? No. No. We'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll, okay. we'll come back to our secrets later. Okay. My point is I also need to point out that I was friends with you before you dated my brother. That's important. Yes. That is important to the story. What well, well, I was friends with Theo first actually, but I was not close friends with Theo until after you and I were close friends. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Amia did put the thought in my brain that I should marry Theo. Hmm. Yeah. The Lord worked through her. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was at your house because we were working on a home church teaching and you made a joke about marrying one of your brothers so we could be sisters. And I drove home. It was a cold winter night. And I was like, that's a stupid idea. Hmm. And then I was like, <laughs> is it? Hmm. And then I prayed. And then the Lord answered my prayer. So. Yeah. Yep. Here we are. Praise God. Well, this is unfortunate. And I think we should just end our podcast here because my first questions that were running through my head were what's on your shirt. 
and about mm. how we know each other. And yeah. turns out we've covered all of that. Mm. So yeah, I'm done here. What's your middle name? Alexis. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Jordan Alexis. Um, are you offended by if people like me who still call you Jark? No. Okay. Or JJ? No. JJ. Yeah, people call me JJ Jark. Most of my friends call me Jay. Um, so that gets confusing when I was in home church with Jordan Yorger because yeah. most of my roommates called me Jay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, because I refer to you as Jark. That was her her former last yeah. name. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was that my was maiden, maiden name for those of you that don't know. Jordan Alexis Jark. Mm. Jay Jiggle in the rap circle. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. That'll be a good one. <laughs> Anyways, uh, where are you from, Jordan? I am from Stowe, Ohio. I was born at Akron City Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up split between Akron, Canal Fulton, and Stowe. Mm. Um, How long you live in Canal Fulton? Uh, for a couple of years. Do you want me to like just dive into like all that, or are you gonna have more questions that like break it up? Just you, you talk about what you want to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I grew up. I was born in Akron. My parents moved to Stowe when my brother was born. Um, and then when my mom was pregnant with me and then six months into me being born, my parents divorced and my mom moved back to Canal Fulton. Um, cause that's where my grandma lived. And then I would split between, um, like kids of divorced parents, I would split between custody. So I spent half of my childhood in Akron, a couple of years in Canal Fulton when my mom lived with my grandma and then the other half in Stowe. And you have a brother. I have a brother. Yeah, he's four years older than me. Yep. His name's Jason. Starts with a J. Yeah, Jason Alexander and Jordan Alexis. Oh. Mm. Yeah. That's, That's cool. really cute. Yeah. So what was your relationship like with your parents growing up? Because you were obviously spending yeah. time with them. So <clears throat> it's kind of complicated because my parents... So for context, my mom is an alcoholic Um, so when my parents got divorced, they had separated, like they had shared custody. Um, and then a couple of things happened when I was a kid, um, with my mom that my mom got custody revoked from her. So then we moved to full time with my dad. Um, and as, uh, probably a specific incident happened when I was six and that was probably when it was more like structured visitation. Um, and then that was when my mom moved in with my grandma and we could see her, and then, yeah, we lived with her for a little bit. Um, growing up, I was, I, I wouldn't say that I was close with my mom, because I think when you're a little girl, you know, you have more things in common with your mom, because you're both girls, mm-hmm. so we would talk about makeup, and, you know, whatever, just things that females are interested in. Um, I wouldn't say that we were close, like, we share a love language, we both love physical touch, so... I liked hanging out with my mom because she would play with my hair and, you know, she'd brush my hair, rub Mm -hmm. my back, whatever. Um, But being an alcoholic, she was very preoccupied Mm -hmm. uh, and she was not really like actually emotionally there. Um, When we would go to her house on the weekends, she would drink and my brother and I would just basically watch TV for the whole weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when she moved in with my grandma, then my grandma would spend all of her time with us while my mom was working or drinking or doing whatever. Um, but as a kid, you don't really make those connections that like 
you know, your mom is not actually spending time with you. Mm. Um, so it wasn't really until I was probably in middle school, probably like seventh grade that I decided that I did not, I didn't want to spend time with my mom anymore. I didn't want to spend time at her house. Um, and that's when I like was like, I want to hang out with my dad. And I remember mm-hmm. actually, cause when you, how it used to be when I, when I was a kid was you were allowed to make decisions about where you could live when the oldest sibling was 12. So by the time my brother was 12, I was eight. He had decided like he wanted to, him and my mom did not get along. They have always had a very bad relationship. So my brother was always like, I want to be with dad. Um, and as a younger sibling, I was like, I want to hang out with my brother cause he's yeah. older and cool. So I was like, yeah, I'll stay with my dad. And my dad was cool. My dad's a G. For anybody listening to this podcast, my dad's not saved, so if you could pray for him. His name's David. Pray for Dave. Maybe one day we'll have him on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then after probably eighth grade, then my dad and I got closer, like older in my life, and now my dad and I are really close. Mm -hmm. Did you always go to um, Stowe School District? No. I When I was in kindergarten and I think first grade, I went to this... (laughs) School in Akron that has been demolished, uh, that was really ghetto. Mm. Um, and then I went to Stowe. I split time at Stowe and Akron in kindergarten and first grade. Mm. And then we moved to Stowe, uh, and I was enrolled there fully. Mm. So what was it like as a girl then going to live with like all guys when you're in like kind of a formative time of your life? Yeah. That was that was tough because when you're a girl who, um, you know, like my mom and I were, we were not close, but it was like surfacey level. So when I got to the age of like hitting puberty and whatever, I just didn't know who I was supposed to talk to because I didn't know anything about like, you know, like in school, they, they gave you that lesson about like when you get your period and like whatever. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have anybody that I could actually talk to about that stuff. So I remember that I had told my dad actually Mm -hmm. at daycare, um, I had told my dad at daycare about how like I was going through these changes and I was like panicking. I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I think it scared the shit out of my dad because (laughs) like the next day it was a Friday. So then Saturday morning, my grandma shows up with like five years worth of supplies of like (laughs) feminine products and like let's go shopping for like women clothes and all this other stuff so that was tough uh because i didn't have anybody (laughs) to talk to about yeah he was probably traumatized um and like a hazmat suit just oh yeah i mean up until i got to college when we would go to the grocery store and i'd be like dad i need to get like tampons Mm. he would just give me his debit card and he's like i'll see you at the car (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) he like didn't he wouldn't walk down the aisles with me or anything like that um so that was tough because I didn't really have any female, I didn't have a female role model and I didn't have any, like, I had friends, but their moms were not, like, super hospitable to me, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of left to figure things out on my own. If I didn't figure it out on my own, then I watched South Park hmm. that my brother would watch. And that's where I figured out about lots of things in the world. This explains a lot. Yeah, it, it does. It really does. It really does. That's really funny. So like when, um, did you visit your mom at all? Um, I, I did a little bit when we, until custody was like, so my parents had split custody for a little bit. Custody originally was, so 
My parents were doing full 50-50, and then some things happened. My mom got custody taken from her. And so then, because of how the system worked, though, it was like she had standard visitation. Um, So we would see her for a couple of hours a week, and we'd see her like every other weekend and whatnot. Um, And then that changed as some things sort of developed as I got older. Um, But then once we got to, like once my brother had decided I don't want to see mom anymore, I don't want to like go down to her, then I had the option. My dad gave me the option. He was like, if you want to see your mom, you can. Um, You don't have to, whatever, but you could do what you want. I would see her every once in a while, um, but I just started, I had friends at Stowe. I did stuff at Stowe. Like my dad spent a lot of time with us as kids. So it just kind of slowly developed into if I go to mom's house, then she's going to be drinking all weekend. Depending on her mood, she would get violent. Um, so it was kind of a toss up. If my grandma was there, then I would spend time with my grandma. But if she wasn't there, it was like, I'm just going to sit at home and not do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did a little bit. Once I got to middle school though, I pretty much was like, yeah, I don't really want to see my mom. Hmm. So obviously like your brother was pretty like angry with her. didn't like her. Did you feel that way? Or was it more just like, obviously she's your mom. So you have a different kind of relationship with her. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's kind of complex, and I've had a lot of conversations with my dad and my brother over the years because my mom, with just the trauma in her life that she has experienced, she did not, her and my brother did not get along, and one of the reasons that they did not get along is because my brother is a lot like my dad, and so, you know, my parents got divorced, my mm-hmm. mom had a lot of issues with my brother, he reminded her a lot of my dad, so... It was really weird because my dad was not like my dad would he he gave me the opportunity to f- discover for myself like what my mom was like mm-hmm. which was really cool so he he never like told me like you can't spend time with her or you know this your mom's like this whatever so it was really weird because it felt very like oh my god my mom is my mom she's my favorite person she's wonderful she's amazing like I don't understand why my brother and mm-hmm. my dad don't like her whatever um and that kind of started to change as I got older and I started to see like, Oh, this is actually what my mom is like. Mm -hmm. Um, so wait, what was your original question? Sorry. You said has my, like, how did you feel about your mom? Yeah. Angry at her? Like, um, I wasn't really angry with her until I got to probably high school. But when I was a kid, I was more like just aloof. Like I was very aloof. I would not have considered my mom an alcoholic until I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, So as a kid, I was like, oh, my mom's like fun. And she just like hangs out with her friends and like whatever. And Mm -hmm. she's really chill. We go to her house and we don't have to do anything and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It probably wasn't until I got to high school that Mm. I really things started to change. Was that because like your perspective changed or because like it just got worse? Yeah, it was, it was more like my perspective changed. I, as my brother got older, so by the time I'm in high school, my brother's about to graduate high school and go to college. And him and my dad at that point were a lot more open about things that had happened when we were kids. My brother, when he graduated high school, my mom didn't go to his high school graduation. Mm -hmm. So that actually set off a chain of events which was like and I remember when that happened because that set off a chain of events of like this is how mom actually is and I remember being like that's Mm -hmm. not true like that's not how my relationship with my mom was 
um, at all. And then that kind of opened the gate towards like my mom did play favorites. Like I was her daughter. Yeah. I wasn't like my dad and you know, she's my mom. So I was like, Oh my God, my mom's wonderful. And so she paid a lot more attention to me. We got in a lot less fights and all this other stuff. Um, and then, yeah, as we got older, there were some things like she, she didn't go to my brother's high school graduation. She didn't go to my high school graduation. There were a couple of times where like, we would want my mom to be there for stuff and she just wouldn't show up. Mm. Um, and so that kind of pulled back the layers of like, oh, actually, yeah, my mom is not the, the image that I had had of her my whole life. Um, and actually, yeah. And then also around that time I so well obviously probably get to this in a second but I received Christ when I was a freshman Mm -hmm. and that opened up a lot of like also just reality you know that opened up a lot of like oh this is actually what a loving relationship is like yeah this is not what I experienced as a kid Mm -hmm. so growing up without a female role model did that cause like social trouble for you because all these other girls that you're trying to be friends with, you're just like, I watch South Park and, you know, yeah. you had a sailor's mouth, as I recall. Oh, yeah, 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 which, I get, yeah <laughs> which I get from my mom. So for anyone that knows me, that probably does not come as a shock. I feel like my mom, I feel like not having a female role model makes a lot of sense for who I am as a person. Um, it was, it shaped me to be, and I think about this a lot, like, Every once in a while, I'll think about the fact of, like, what if my mom had been a part of my life? Like, in an ideal world, let's say my parents had never gotten divorced, would I turn out differently? Like, mm-hmm. would I not be a choleric woman who is, like, super functional and whatever? Would I be more emotional? Because I don't consider myself to be an emotional person. And I don't know. I think about that a lot, and I think that that does... Like, I think that my mom has had a big effect on... um my emotions. And like when I was a kid, there were a lot of things, even just my, my family situation at home, um, was very unstable. We were very, very poor. Um, it was very like just literally trying to survive. And especially Mm -hmm. growing up with two dudes who are not emotional, not like, like that in any sort of capacity. Mm -hmm. I just learned from a very young age that I, just shouldn't be emotional and that I don't need to be emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, and that even if I am emotional, that that doesn't change the terrible situation that has happened or whatever. So I just, from a very young age had decided like, I just won't feel about anything because like, why do that when I could just have fun, Mm -hmm. you know, I could just have fun with my friends and enjoy the world and nothing else really matters. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the biggest way is that not having a mom has affected me is that I do have a very hard time being emotional about stuff. Um, I have a hard time having, which again, I don't know if it's because of how my mom is or just because the temperament that the Lord had given me, but I'm naturally not a very compassionate person. I'm not like a feelings person. When people cry, it makes me really uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, especially like if I did not know the Lord, I would be like that scene in 30 Rock where uh, Alec Baldwin takes the uh, broom and he's patting the girl on the back and she's like throwing up and crying. Um, And I think I didn't feel isolated from my female friends. Like I had a lot of friends growing up, but I did feel like I just didn't really, like I had a potty mouth and I watched a lot of South Park and I was definitely and still am a lot more crass. So I feel like I fit in a lot more. I had a lot more stable guy friendships than I had girl friendships. Um, 
the longest friendship I had, which this also makes sense, would be Hannah Carroll because mm. we're pretty similar and we got along really, really well. Um, and that was really the only female friend I had that was a consistent, like, this is someone that I can relate to. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's jump into what was your church background? Did you go to church growing up? Did you know about Jesus or the Bible at all? Yeah. Um, no. So mm-hmm. we, my dad is an atheist and so is my brother. Um, so, and my mom just like never went to church. She growing up, the reason why we bounced around a lot is because my mom would date lots of guys. And so we would bounce around from their houses and we just never, I don't know if it was the guys that she dated, just like didn't really care about going to church. Um, or if she just didn't really care. Um, but we never went to church as a kid. The first church that I ever really went to was with a friend of mine in fifth grade. Um, and that was the first time that I'd ever been to a church. Um, my grandma was Catholic, but she never, she just like, she was Catholic. Like she just had a Bible in her house. And that mm-hmm. was like, as far as that went. Um, and then my dad, yeah, as an atheist. So we never went to church. It was never something that was on my mind at all. Mm. Yeah. I had heard about Jesus cause I live in America. Yeah. So it's like, you can't really, you know, it's on TV and holidays and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I knew basic things about God just because again, living in America and being yeah. white, like there's just basic things that I know about God. Um, but I had always believed that God was real because when I was a kid, I, there's one instance very clearly where I had started doing my own laundry cause I hit puberty and mm-hmm. I was like, ew, <laughs> I'm going to do my own laundry. Uh, and so I was doing laundry. I forgot to clean out the lint roller and I remember as a kid thinking like, if you don't clean that out, your house is going to catch on fire and your yeah. family's going to die. And I, <laughs> but also I was scared of the basement cause it was dark. So I remember putting my laundry in laying in bed and realizing that I forgot to clean out the lint thing. And I was like, oh my God, my house is going to catch on fire and my family's going to burn and die. And I remember praying and I was like, God, if you save my family and don't let my house catch on fire, I'll believe in you. (laughs) I love that you didn't just like go down to the basement. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like I totally, yeah, I was, I was so terrified of the basement that I was like, I'm not going to get out of bed and walk in the dark. So I'm just going to have to pray and trust that my house. That is so interesting that like mainly growing up with atheists, you like were not an atheist Yeah, and you even prayed. But I think it's like what you're saying too, about like, we do just live in a culture that like lends itself to Christianity, which is like, quite a privilege in and of itself, but also like clearly the Lord was working there to like even put that thought in your mind to pray about it. Yeah. And then your house didn't burn down, which maybe is because that's not how dryers work or right. because God protected you. <laughs> so when you start coming around like freshman year, right? About yeah. It was the, the first home church that I went to. Um, so Hannah Carroll, my longtime friend since like fifth grade, she had been coming to word Mm. the high school Bible study that we had at the time. She invited me a couple of times and I was like, no, that's weird. Church is weird. Like, cause I had gone with a couple of other friends that went to like fundy churches. And Mm. I was like, I don't want to wake up at 7am on a Sunday. I'm not doing that. And then I was friends with Thomas Tinkler in middle school. Um, and he eventually invited me cause he was like, Oh, I'm going to this Bible study. And I, I think in my mind, I thought like, cause Hannah's family was, I'd been friends with Hannah for super long, but they are like 
middle class. And mm-hmm. so I had always kind of felt like, oh, like just this rich girl is inviting me to church or whatever. And Thomas was weird and mm-hmm. is like, he was just a weird kid. He was really goofy. So I remember he invited me and thinking like, oh, it can't be that bad because Thomas is going yeah. like, that's funny, whatever. Um, so he invited me to the last home church before my freshman year of high school started, hmm. which was like August of 2011. Hmm. And yeah, it was in the Morshers basement and Heidi and Sarah Lancione taught. Really? Wemhoff. Yeah. Aww. They taught on the evidence yeah. of God. And I remember because they taught on the Daniel nine prophecy and some like geogra or, uh, geology rocks. Yeah, yeah, they taught on geology, and I just remember thinking, like, I just don't really care about any of this stuff. I don't really think that this is, like, it just didn't, it wasn't compelling for me. I believe that, yeah, there's a God that is real and that is in control of the universe. I probably would have said that I believe that he was just, like, a cosmic policeman. Mm. Um, And so I just remember actually walking away from home church and not remembering that the teaching was significant, but that there were cute boys there. Mm -hmm. That's funny. So, um, do you remember when the first time that you actually started considering what you were learning and, uh, the conversations you were having where it's like, okay, this is more serious than, um, I just believe it, then go home. Um, yeah, probably. So after that, after that home church, I remember that we went to Silver Springs and I, I forget how I met them, but and actually, it's funny because that home church is when Thomas received Christ. And I remember because he like, yeah, yeah, because he walked away and he was the only person that I knew. So he introduced Tough. me to Matt Miller and PJ. Um, and he like just walked away and Matt and PJ came up and talked to me and sat with me. And they were really the only friends that I had at home church because um, none of the girls, like I just wasn't really friends with any of the girls, even in school. Um, and Hannah was dating PJ actually. That's why Hannah was dating PJ Mm. at the time. So they came over a couple weeks go by and I was friends with them and we would talk about stuff and they came over to my house one day and we sat in front of my house in the grass and they were asking me all these deep questions. They were like, where do you think your soul goes? And like afterlife. And I was like, I don't really care. Mm. Like, and they were like, you don't care about your soul. And I was like, no, (laughs) I just am like going to die. And that's kind of it. Um, And they were talking to me about heaven and none of that stuff really stuck with me, but something that I think one of them had said was like, uh, heaven is more than just eternity with God. It's like eternity with friends. It's like eternal relationships Hmm. and you could have eternal friendships. And that stuck out to me because I had never, I had had like a lot of friends and I had I'm an extrovert, so I always had friends and I always hung out with friends, but I never stuck with them. We would get in a fight or I would think that they're annoying or whatever, and I would stop being friends with them. Mm. Um, And it was especially important at that time because Hannah was the only friend that I had going into school and we didn't have the same lunch period. Mm -hmm. So it like gave me a lot of anxiety because I had a lot of anxiety because Hannah was the only friend that I had and she we had we had different lunch periods. So it's like that scene in Mean Girls where Caddy like sits in the bathroom on the toilet eating her lunch. Mm. That's what I was afraid of. Like <laughs> I didn't have any friends to sit with. I didn't know anyone. I we were very poor growing up, so I didn't do like extracurricular sports over the summer. I just like sat at my house and watched YouTube videos. So I just didn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. Um so that that is what got me thinking about like, oh, I could have eternal friendships 
And I've never really thought about that. Like I could have a friend that lasted for more than a year. That's pretty shocking. Mm. Once again, it's interesting how like the Lord reaches people so specifically because like you just are a really relational person. Like that is clearly one of your like core values. There's probably other people that are more about like that would have been more affected by the conversation of like, where does your soul go or geology or whatever. But like the Lord used that like one sentence or one question to reach you because he knew that like, that's what you care about. Yeah. It's just really interesting. Oh, for sure. Hmm. For sure. For sure. And it didn't really take, I, I don't know. I don't remember all the conversations that were had in between because I didn't receive Christ until November uh, 13th of 2011. So only a couple months after that, Mm -hmm. but I really don't know what, I, like, I don't remember having thoughts about anything in between. Because I, I went to home church every week after that, pretty much. Because um, I didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. And Tommy lived in my neighborhood, so he'd pick me up for home church and stuff. Um, so I don't really remember what I thought in between that. I think I just believed that God was real. And I was kind of like, okay, I go to this Bible study now. And these things that I'm learning about God and Jesus are not new knowledge to me. I've known about them but I wasn't connecting with them um, until, yeah, I, I wasn't really connecting with them until the topic of eternal relationships and whatnot. And I really was terrified, actually, of, I think, eternal relationships and purpose. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that I was a sinner, but I wasn't really, like, I'm an extrovert, and I'm very... Uh, not deep. So I think to me, I was like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I do bad things. Ha 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 ha. Like my soul could go to hell, whatever. No big deal. Mm -hmm. But I really had no vision for my life. Like I remember the first day of high school, my brother took me and I just was terrified because I didn't know what I wanted to do for college. I couldn't picture myself getting married. I couldn't picture myself going to college. I couldn't picture like my whole childhood was just survival mode. Mm -hmm. So it was like, now that I'm kind of older and on my own, like I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I had no direction. Um, I was pretty depressed at that point because I had had no friends. So I also was like, I can't think of the rest of my life. Maybe that means that I just kill myself someday. Um, And that really terrified me. So that was also really attractive was that like, I wouldn't have to worry about that. And that Christ would actually have a plan for me and a purpose and that like I didn't have to freak out about which I think looking back on it I'm like that totally Mm -hmm. makes sense because like God knew that I was going to come into a relationship with him so like why like I I didn't have any idea of what the future was that totally makes sense because Mm -hmm. like I didn't have any other future Mm -hmm. outside of receiving Christ so Hmm. yeah 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 so what like you accepted Christ when you were pretty young so how did your life start to like change after you did that? Did it change at all? What what did it look like? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that I had friends that was pretty appealing to me. And I, I had friends, but I also had like, like it was like meaningful friendship. Like my, after, pretty much after I received Christ, my closest friends were Hannah Murray Maxwell and Katie Bayless. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the fact that we could actually have like real conversation because I didn't really ever tell my friends about what was happening with my mom and just all of that. Yeah. And I was pretty embarrassed as a kid about mm. my life because living in Stowe, like I would consider Stowe to be pretty 
middle class to upper middle class. And Corey, you can probably relate to this being poor is I just like was so embarrassed about the fact that I was poor that I didn't really ever tell my friends that. Mm -hmm. And I remember like with Hannah and Katie allowing them into that part of my life, which is just like, I come from a broken home Mm -hmm. um, and I'm poor and whatever. Um, So that was a pretty big change for me is that I could have real friendships. And also I did start to notice like, My brother and my dad are atheists, but they are atheists because they have an emotional problem with God, not really like... A logical? Yeah, a logical problem with Mm God. Um, And that started to become more apparent to me, that like I would go to this Bible study and my brother would make fun of me and my dad would kind of make fun of me. But also he was like supportive, like, you know, I'm glad that you have friends and you know, I want you to figure it out on your own. Mm -hmm. But I started to notice that like their way of life was very, uh, pagan and very carnal and very like just empty and meaningless. Um, yeah. And just devoid of life. So that was a lot more after receiving Christ that changed a lot that like those windows started to be open and also just the depravity Like, growing up with my brother and my dad was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. It was a lot of fun. My dad is, like, the best. He's the goat. He, (laughs) we were allowed to have sleepovers whenever he wanted. Like, Mm -hmm. he always wanted us to be kids and have fun and whatever. But there wasn't, like, a lot of, my, my dad's motto was just do whatever you want. And as a kid, that's just not good because when you do whatever you want, you get into all sorts of things that you should not be doing at a certain age, whatever. Um... And so I started to recognize like, oh, wow, this is actually like a really depraved way to live life and like the mm. things that we talk about and the things that we do as a family or whatever kind of weird and yeah. whatnot. I, I want to pause there and go on a little tangent because we were raised like kind of the same way. Yeah. Um, kind of like the polar opposite, but the same way. Yeah. Because... Um, I remember going and living in the ministry apartments for like the first year um, or like the first few months. Um, everyone I moved in with is the people I graduated with and they had totally different lifestyles than I did. Like um, I was the only, you know, quote unquote poor guy coming in. Yeah. And they were learning all the things that I had to learn like uh, as, a, you know, a 10 year old, you know. Like how to, you know, pay for your own bills, yeah. how, to, uh, how to do your own laundry, how to do your own chores, how to clean up, how to do this, how to yeah. fix things, how to maintain things. And it's like I n- not because um, I had parents who told me and like instilled those things in me, but because I just had to or else I wouldn't survive. Yeah. You know? And so uh, you're coming from the same boat, right? Yeah. Where um, when you first moved in, did you feel like you had like the slight advantage of like uh, no, I've been living like on my own for like five years now. Yeah, I remember um, moving into because I I first lived with Frankie, Brenda, Jamie, and Lydia. So Brenda was like I, I lived with a lot of girls who had already been living mm. in a ministry apartment. Um, so they had already been doing that. But I remember talking to my friends and just being like, I literally. I remember going to the Verizon store at 17 years old and getting my own cell phone Mm. because my dad didn't have any money for cell phones. Mm. I remember getting a job and paying my own car insurance and paying for like 
a, a big part of my, there's a lot of other details about my childhood, but a big, a big part of my childhood that affected also who I am today, um, is because we were super poor as a kid. Um, and so we just wouldn't always have groceries. Mm. Um, and I would eat food at my friend's house because I was too embarrassed to tell them that like, I don't have any food at home. Um, and so once I got to be in a, like, once I got a job at 16, it was like, I was buying my own groceries. And if we didn't have, I'd come home many times in high school and we would have no power. We'd have no electricity. Um, that's the same thing. We'd have no heat, Mm. um, because my dad wouldn't have enough money for the bill. So I would pay for those things. Mm. So that was more like when I got to college, it was like, I would hear my friends talk about the fact that they like had to buy groceries and their parents would help them. And I'm like, damn, it must be nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a rough one to get over. Yeah. Like, just like hearing all these, like, yeah, I, I only have to pay for my own gas. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I feel so bad for Or me. like, I don't have to work because I had, because my parents are like paying for stuff. Yeah. And like all three years of college, cause I graduated college early. Cause I was like, I just, I got to be an adult. I want to be an adult. Yeah. I need to like, I'd been doing that for so long, like you said, and I just always worked full time in college. So I was like, damn, must be nice. Yeah. To and so like, yeah. yeah, it took a, it took a minute to adjust to be like, okay, um, just because they have, you know, a better situation at home doesn't mean they suck more. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It was, a, a definitely, uh source of pride that I was coming mm. in with that I had to manage but yeah um yeah it's um basically what I learned from it is to be grateful for my situation it's like yeah I didn't have what everyone else had mm-hmm. but I was able to learn so many things I mean it's probably the reason I have this job that I have today because when things would break at home we didn't have money to yeah like go contract or like pay for the HVAC guy to come and fix it. It's just like, I would fix it. Yeah. And I would just watch videos and figure it out. Yeah. And uh, that's how I've always been as a kid is just figure mm. out about, figure out how to fix things or else it's done. Yeah. And like, I have to give it up. And so that's, yeah. I mean, that's what I do here. And praise the mm. Lord. I'm like, there's so many things I'm grateful for about how I was raised. I was wondering, have you um, been able to understand that in your life? Oh, yeah. I uh, actually... Uh, I, I sometimes so being in high school and being friends with Katie when they took in Misty that was a huge like sad hit to my pride because mm. I was like oh my god like I'm not Misty's situation was a lot worse but I was very angry because I was all of my close friends like their parents were still together they had money their parents would buy them cars and I remember when my first Jeep died mm. um and having to buy a new car and like my parents weren't going to help me and just being so bitter and angry that like, why is it that everybody else has it so much easier in life? Um, or like these really nice families take them in and like do things for them. Like nobody does that for me. Um, and I remember being very angry about it, but seeing a lot of those instances, like the Lord really showed that he is going to provide for me. Mm. One of the biggest ways that he's provided for me is John Hemphill. Um, mm-hmm. John Hemphill's literally a gift from God. John has given me like most of my cars for a very, like I'm robbing him pretty much. Um, and he has been very, very gracious and like, yeah, I don't have money and I'm a broke college kid and I need a car, whatever. 
Um, and seeing how the Lord has come through has really proved to me that like he will provide for me. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest lesson that I learned is that like God really sees the pain that I had. Cause as a kid, like going back to what you were saying is I remember very clearly when I went to, when I transitioned to fifth grade, fifth grade at Lakeview was when you got student IDs. I don't remember, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. It was like a 10 digit number that you would use for your lunch. Yeah. Um, and I never got that paper and all of the instructions on like how to get up to the bus stop. Like my dad didn't do any of that. So I remember it being the middle of summer and I had a complete panic attack in the middle of the night because I was like, I don't have a student ID. They're not going to let me into school. Like I just remember Aww. thinking like, I'm not going to be allowed to go to school and I'm going to get mm. arrested for truancy because yeah. I don't know my student ID. I don't know the bus to take. I'm going to have to walk to school every day. Um, and so I would have to figure that out on my own. And so once I received Christ and just continually, as I get older and older, the Lord really affirming that like he does, he did see those situations and he does see those situations. And the anxiety that it would give me as a kid and that he did want to provide for me. Because mm -hmm. once I received Christ and like really things started to change um, and there were many, many times where my dad was like, we were about to get kicked out of our house. We were about to get evicted. And once I received Christ, uh, I would always, after I received Christ, I would always pray like that we wouldn't be homeless. But my dad always kept the house. And mm -hmm. then I moved out and my dad like finally totally got kicked out of the house like three months after I got to college. Mm -hmm. And I see that as a huge provision. Like, oh my God, the Lord really like, yeah. he is going to care for me and he wants to care for me and provide for me. Um, yeah, that was probably the biggest lesson is that, yeah, just cause my situation does not look like everybody else's God wants to provide and he will. Hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um, you went to Kent state, right? Yep. What'd you get your degree in? Public health. Public health. Public health. So what did you want to do with that degree? Um, I literally only got this degree because Joel Hughes told me that I should <laughs> because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I, as a kid, would lo would watch lots of serial killer movies. Mm. And so I thought maybe I wanted to do something like psychology. Like kill people. Yeah, yeah, like kill people. <laughs> um, you can't like, really make money off of that. Yeah. Well, well, well yeah, I guess you could. I could be, be a head head um, So I knew that I wanted to do something with like psychology and criminology, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know, like nobody had ever, again, my childhood was just like, you need to survive and you're on your own. So nobody had pr prepared me for college or what I was supposed to do or how I was supposed to find out. My brother is a genius. So he went for engineering. He just knew that he wanted to do that. So one day I went to Joel and I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm freaking out. And he was like, what about public health? And I was like, okay. Mm. <laughs> he was like, you would, you'll always have a job. And I was like, sounds good. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's smart. And so, uh, what do you do now? Now I am a customer success manager at uh, a software company called GoLinks. Hmm. Yep. Scary times for you? Uh, no, not really. Now that I have experience, I think that I will be able to find a job pretty easy. Um, but I have Theo translate a lot of the tech stuff because I don't really understand. That's it. so funny. And anything with the economy, like actually Anna Rasak texted me a couple of days ago. She was like, can you ask Theo about the, uh, like 
the lowering value of the dollar and like, is the world going to end? And I was that's like, Theo, so what does this mean? Funny. And he was like, no, that's drama. Um, and so, yeah, you did get married. When did you get married? I got married March 12th of 2022. So happy little over year. a year. Thank you. Aww. Corey was in our wedding. Yep. And so is Amia. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Oh my gosh. Because we're both here. Yeah. Well, we the whole just, wedding party. The whole right wedding party. <laughs> we could just invite them. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we would uh, love to have you on in the future. Talk about your guys' marriage. <gasps> we would love that. Yeah, it'll be fun. I actually told Theo, I was like, that'd be fun. And he was like, it would be. And I was like, you should talk to Amia about it. And he said, okay. Mm. Well, he'll yeah. have to wait because we only are doing them not frequently. Nice. Yeah. Once every 10 years. Yep. Oh, yeah. So we'll hit your 10-year anniversary. Okay. Um, so, yeah, what's, uh, what do you think um, the Lord has in store for you? What, do you? what is the Lord doing with you right now in uh, your ministry? Um, that's a good question. That's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay. So, well... Let me go back to talk about my family because I have a couple different answers for the different areas of my life. So with my family, where I feel like the Lord is working in my family. Um, so actually today I was reflecting upon today because I haven't seen my mom in a year. Mm. Um, and our relationship is not really great because of a couple of things. So I've been praying about that a lot because I want our relationship to be redeemed and for it to be fruitful, but obviously I can't control another person. So I was actually just praying today for my family that they would just see the grace of the Lord. And I think the older that I get, I've been thinking about this because the older that I get, the more you know, I think you, and maybe you've experienced this with your family. Like, I think the older that you get, the more you recognize that things in your family have not been done how God would want them to be done. So that's been on my mind a lot because someday I hope to have a family and I want to, I want to do differently than what I experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been something that I've just been thinking about is like what, yeah, I don't know, the Lord preparing my heart for having kids someday, um, what is that going to look like? Also, like, how do you forgive your family, move towards them in love, especially mm. if your relationship with them is not really great? Um, and what do you do with that? So mm-hmm. that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, uh, and praying for some redemption on. And then in my ministry, I feel like what. And something that like me and Katie and Hannah have been talking about a lot is I'm in this weird stage where I'm married and I'm 23 years old. Mm. Um, and <laughs> just kidding, I'm 26. And my life is transitioning because for so many years I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in college ministry. I'm going to like do all the college ministry things. Like I'm going to go out and win people. And the Lord has blessed me a lot with yeah. meeting a lot of college people. But now is just a different season where like I'm a leader in our home church and there are younger capable girls that are under me that it's time to pass the torch. Mm. Um, Especially because I'm married and I'm 26 and I own a home and I graduated college five years ago. So it's just like no longer my opportunity to go on campus and be like, oh my gosh, hey, let's be friends. They're like, what is wrong with you? You graduated (laughs) college five years ago. Um, So that's a big 
part of life right now is like, what does that transition look like? Yeah. Building up other people yeah. and passing the torch and like being more in the background, mm. which is hard as a sanguine. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Can't that's... amen that. <laughs> I am in the first part of the sentence. Yeah. There was something else I was going to say, which I think was also, oh yeah. Also being an adult and having a house and just having the mundane things of life, like a real job, whatever, like what does it look like to have joy in the Lord, in the mundane of things. Cause I think when you, you know, when you live in a ministry apartment, I don't know, Corey, maybe you can relate to this since you don't live in one anymore. It's hard not to be like, Oh my God, all the excitement of the ministry apartment, like here are all the ways that the Lord is working because it's just so in your face and it's so right there. Yeah. And then you own a home and you're like alone for four hours in a day. And you're like, Oh my God, my life is boring. And I yeah. live in suburbia <laughs> and I have suburban neighbors and everything is just dull and not exciting. Um, so that's something that I've been, and a lot of my friends are having a baby or are pregnant or whatever. And life is just transitioning where is the joy of the Lord among all of those things? Even yeah. when they're not so exciting and all these things, the Lord is still good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely, um, I, I found it that, um, like I'm a big sanguine as people know, Amen. you know, Amen. um, but it's still crazy how I used to be, especially in high school, like, if I wasn't around people, I was depressed. Yeah. And now it's quite the opposite. <laughs> You're depressed with people. Yeah. That's so funny. Just kidding. But, uh, I mean, it, it is like, uh, difficult for me to get out of the house and, um, to go relate with people. Now, when I do praise the Lord, it's like a great time, but just sitting at home, I'm just like, this is where it's at. And like, yeah. And so I've, uh, fell in love with my comfort and like, that has become a huge temptation because, um, yeah, the first little bit, like moving out into an apart, like apartment with my wife, it was, you know, it's cool to enjoy marriage there a little bit at, in the beginning, and then it's like, okay, now everything's back to normal. Let's get things going, get things moving in the right direction. It's like, okay, now that's difficult. It's like, okay, now let's get a house. And it's like, I, I it's like truly the American dream hmm, yeah. is su- such a pool, um, and then you don't even recognize it. Yeah. And I didn't think it was going to be a problem in my life, but it definitely has. So, I mean, mm. praise the Lord, I have the job that I do, or else I, I think it would be a lot worse. Um, but, yeah, there is this uh, supernatural pull um, towards uh, fall in love with your comfort and do what you need to do. Yeah. And, yeah, you can't be as spiritual as you once were. Like, you know, your spiritual height is in college ministry when you're living in an apartment. After that, it's just a slow decline into just... Um, just your comfort zone. I thought you and, were saying as a fact. No, that's... And I was like, uh, Corey. That, that, that's the, <laughs> that's, that's the lie. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That yeah. Okay. The Satan puts on us. Yeah. Like, you know, this is, um, you won't be able to achieve this yeah. kind of spiritual height anymore, which is totally not true. To yeah. make that clear. It is totally not true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like I've been closer to the Lord and have had... Um, not necessarily a lot more success in meeting people and with the amount of people coming into Christ that I was able to have, uh, be a part of. But um, I feel like there, I definitely feel closer to the Lord and um, I've seen just the beauty of the Lord's work in my life now rather than I was in, when I was in the apartment. Yeah. Um, 
It's just hmm. getting comfortable not with myself, but with this new stage of life and what the Lord has put in front of me now. And so it, it is weird to describe, but everyone's going. Everyone has to go through it. At yeah. One point, it's uh, like you can't look back on the glory days and say that's when Bro. It, it used to be exciting. And uh, it's tempting to do, but it's not what the Lord wants us to do. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because actually last night I I didn't have any plans yet. I, I had breakfast with a friend and then I didn't have any plans for the rest of the day. And I was like, cool, Whoa. I have literally all day, which usually I like book myself every yeah. two hours, you know. Yeah. And I didn't have any plans and I was like, okay, I have all day. Uh, and this is great. Like I'll get a unending time with the Lord. I'll get to pray. I'll get to read. And I got to a lot of those things, but I was making dinner and I was just, I was home alone. So I was just praying out loud. And I was thinking about, I was like, Lord, like I feel this weird when I was younger, the thing, and just my personality is I just crave fun. I want Mm -hmm. to be fun all the time. I want to be the funnest person ever. I dread getting older and having to do things that are not fun, um, (laughs) but I have to do them. And I was thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm getting older. And I feel this like pull to be more, it was so stupid because I was literally saying it out loud and I was like, I feel like now that I'm getting older, I'm becoming more spiritual and less fun. And I don't want that. I want to be fun. And I was like, That's you can't, hilarious. I was like, you just can't have both because like what I desire in my heart is like what you're saying to be with people 24 seven to have real like spiritual conversations. But like, I just want to be with people 24 seven. But then mm-hmm. another part of me is like, you can't really study the word and actually like build spiritual disciplines, like mm-hmm. reading and prayer if I'm just full blown yeah. sanguine with people all the time. Yeah. So it's like, which one do you want? And you can certainly have both, but in my mind it was like, one of them is the death of the other. Like yeah. if I want to be a spirit, I literally was like, if I want to be a spiritual person, I gotta be a boring person now. Yeah. I can't that's like so make funny. time yeah. with my friends. And I was like, God, I don't want that. Yeah. That's like the lie of like the Puritans creeping up in your life. The, like, oh Yeah. So I Can't think, enjoy any pleasures. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh what's interesting too is um the idea of you know being spiritual and being fun is they're polar opposites, like they're on different sides. You have yeah. to choose one or the other. Um yeah. which is a lie. So stupid. I had this thought, what was it? Fuck, it was a good He's point. too sanguine he forgot it. He's too sanguine he forgot it. Um Damn, that was a good point. Well, if you remember, yeah, if you remember it, bring it back. The point to all that also, what I was just to summarize is that what you're saying is just a hundred percent true. Like there's this shift and it's not, yeah, I I think Satan just lies and says like, oh, you're getting older. This is what you, you just can't be fun and spiritual. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember. Yeah, what was it? Um, Please tell us. And it's about, I think you're hitting two different stages of life, like at the same time. Yeah. Um, Same as I was. Um, You're hitting the, you're an older Christian now who's walked the walk, who's knows her word, you know, um, has a really sweet relationship with the Lord. And also at the same time, you're moving into a worldly different stage of life, which is like you're married, have a house. Yeah. Um, and you're graduated working full time. Yeah. And so it's like, that's a different, like you're, you're starting your family. That's yeah. stage of life, the same stage of life I'm in. So both of us are in this like double whammy of like, okay, they both want the same thing, but like the, 
I think that what the really what the Lord's calling us on us to do is, you know what I'm calling on you to do. Like you've you know what I say in my word. Now it's time to act on it. Like we have hit the stage where it's like, yes, let's continue reading our word. Let's I, that's very important. I don't want to um, make this point as if you don't need to read the word anymore. But I think it's important. It's like okay, you can read the you know, the Bible four hours a day. Right. But, uh, as Paul says, uh, it will just become a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. Yeah. If you're not going out and loving, if you're not yeah. doing something, if you're not being a doer of the word, it's pointless to you. And so we're at the stage in life where it's like, we've been Christians and going to Bible studies three times a week for the past what, 10 years. <laughs> and it's like, we know yeah. so much that we can act on. Um, yes, we still need to be in our word. Yes, we still need prayer, but, we the focus is and I need to know the Lord more. It's like, no, just act on what He's telling you to do, and you you can seek Him out. But act, right? It's yeah. time to do. It's a great point. And so, um, I think uh, that's important. And so, yeah, we're yeah. we're in a new stage of life, and it's uh, it's different. I think there's a lot of beauty to it, and it's, I'm learning that more and more as days go on. Um, when I first, I mean, I'm still new to this because I'm up in the uh, uh, young adult or the metasphere now. And so that was a difficult stage of life. Yeah. Uh, difficult time to go through, which I can talk to you more about later, but yeah, getting out of the college or everything's fun. You get to just like feed off of the youth yeah. and like how they just want to do crazy shit all the time. And it's like, that's really fun and exciting, but stepping up to where it's like, it's, you can't feed off everyone. You have to be the one yeah. that's, you know, feeding people. Hmm. That is more difficult. Yeah, and I read uh, I a part of why I also have been thinking about this and why it's been on my brain is because reading like the books for LTC, like William Lane Craig, I'm like, this dude reads the Bible six hours a day. Like, <laughs> if I want to be wise and like understand the Word and really like have a love for the Lord, like he does, and also I've been I finished Spirit Walk a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, um, and also that dude, I'm like. Bro, you read the Bible for like, you must read the Bible for six hours a day. (laughs) Maybe that's what I should do. Maybe I should stop doing all this fun stuff. Like I have to do one or the other. Mm. And it's just, yeah, it's just not true. And also like, I really, so another thing is that, and they're going to listen to this podcast. So hi, Jaden and Harley, that I've learned is that, so in college ministry, yeah, you haven't met them, but you will someday. I actually saw Jaden today. So yeah. And I hung out with Harley today. So they are these two 18 year old freshmen that Jerry and I met, um, over the summer. Cause we had home church on campus and they were there for DKS and we are soulmates with them. Okay. For these girls to be 18 years old, we listen to the same type of music. We have the same sense of humor. And then they tell me they're born in 2004 and that makes me want to die. Mm. And I'm like, there's no way that you are that much younger than me. But what that has taught me is that, and we're the four of us are like BFS. We get dinner together. We have a great time together is that it just does not matter what age you are. Cause sometimes Jerry and I are like, we're old as dirt. Like, why do you guys want to hang out with us? Drama. Um, drama. And it's because just at any age, the Lord will open up doors. Um, if there's people that are there to love. Mm-hmm. And so kind of like what you're saying is to just like who who cares if you're in this other stage of life, if you're post-college home church, adult home church, whatever it is, like the Lord will use you at any stage of life as Mm -hmm. long as you're open and as long as you're willing and putting yourself out there. 
Like yeah. that's all that really matters is putting yourself out there. Yeah. yeah. I think of uh, Tommy McCartney who, while we were in high school, reached out and baptized his mom. Yeah. Hmm. You know, it's like no matter what stage of life you're in, the yeah. Lord's like, I can yeah. use you. Yeah. And so that's, that was basically my point. It's like, yeah, um, we need to be doers of what he's calling yeah. us to do. Yeah. And that doesn't say like be doers when it's convenient or when it makes sense with the people you're around. It's like, no, the Lord could put anyone in your life. Yeah. He's like, can you act on what I've yeah. told you to do here? Yeah. It's just about being faithful, like in yeah. anywhere that you are, like yeah. being faithful and listening to the Lord and having eyes to see ears to hear, like whatever, like seeing what is before you and, and doing what he's called you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even your mom met Bethy and Sarah. Yeah. And like, when they were like 15. <laughs> she was like a 45 year old woman. Yeah. 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 I think it's really interesting to hear you guys talk about this because obviously we are in different life stages, but also like you guys are so similar and I am so not like you guys in the You're sanguine not way. not a sanguine. Okay. Yeah. So to hear the like, the the fear of not having fun and like not wanting to leave living with all these people and being around people all the time. I'm like, that's so crazy because I feel the opposite. I mean, it's like, I don't want to see anyone ever again. Mm. Yeah. Which is, just, it's just like, I'm introverted. You guys are extroverted, yeah. but it's interesting to see how that plays out. But also I'm sure that the second that I have my own place, I'll have a myriad of issues of like wanting to just be in my comfort zone and like needing to force myself to leave my house and remember that people are valuable and whatever. Yeah. But it's just interesting to hear like a really different perspective that I don't understand. Yeah. So Jordan, Jay Jiggle. Yeah. Um, what has the Lord saved you from? Um, being a full, full fledged, uh, narcissist and probably just living a life of utter and complete whatever I want to do and Mm -hmm. destruction really but like yeah fleshly carnal living uh leaving a path behind me of destruction Hmm. that's pretty cool yeah (laughs) yeah for real (laughs) Yeah. Jay, I love you. It's been awesome getting to know you over the years. I think our relationship's pretty sick. Yeah. I think it's, um, um, it makes sense to me now. Just sitting having this conversation. It's like, damn, we do relate on a lot of things. Yeah. And uh, we're both polar opposites of what the stereotypical gender role and like, you know. Yeah. It's like you are very brash and functional, logical, and you hate emotion. And then I'm the total opposite. <laughs> but it's like we can relate because we come up from the same same town, same kind of wealth. Yeah. You know, and, uh, Ohio. And um, we both have just been saved from uh, by the Lord. And it makes sense yeah. why I enjoy talking with you and seeking you out when you're around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're both white trash. Mm-hmm. White trash thug life. Mm-hmm. White trash thug life. Yeah. I also very much appreciate you and love you. And obviously you helped veer me off of my own path of destruction. So I, yeah, yeah. I just wonder where I'd be if someone didn't call me out of my bullshit. <laughs> so I really appreciate Glad. that. Yeah. Yeah. Debauchery. That's the word I was looking for. Debauch. Life, that's would yeah. be, that would be my life without the Lord mm. is 
debauchery, mm. for sure. I probably would not be alive, but I'd probably not be alive because, like, I would have wandered off with some dude on Tinder and he would have killed me mm. and, like, dumped me in the ocean or something. Nice. Theo could be that guy. Theo could be that guy. <laughs> He's just waiting. He's been yeah. sitting on that He's for waiting a long for time. his perfect opportunity. Jake yeah, actually, I, like, caught him plotting something the other day, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell him he can't buy magic cards and that's what's going to do it. Fuck.